Good evening. My name is Liz Gray, and I am the pastor of Incarnation Anglican Church, and we get to meet here in the evenings thanks to the enormous kindness of Greenbrier Baptists. So a huge thank you to all of you who go regularly to Greenbrier, and it's lovely to see Incarnation people here as well. It's so good to be able to worship together tonight. And it's been great fun thinking as well about how your sermon series and our sermon series could come together today because you have been looking at Greenbrier at the women in the lineage of Jesus, fascinating group of women. And we have been looking at the way that angels have come and woven their way in their message into the whole nativity story. And so tonight we hear the story of how an angel spoke to the most critical of women. But first, just a little background. As you can probably tell, I don't come from around here. Uh, you're probably all kind of guessing, you know, what is, what, where is she from? Where's her accent? Well, my husband and I and my daughter at that point came and lived uh, here 11 years ago, and we came from the UK. But my accent's actually mainly South African, so there's a bit of a mixture there. But before we came here, I used to be a high school math teacher, and I know from years of experience that when you tell people that you're a mathematics teacher, you get one of two responses. Oh my, I hated maths when I was at school. Or, oh gosh, I loved maths when I was at school. It tends to polarize people quite quickly into two very different camps. But I wonder, I wonder if somewhere inside you, you have got a mental image of what a math teacher or mathematics or maths teacher looks like. You know, just think about it for a moment. I went online to try and find a typical math teacher picture, and they varied a lot. But for most professions, you probably have some sort of image in your mind. You know, if I shouted out something and said politician, you'd probably get a picture. I don't want to know it. Uh, if you said mailman, you'd get a different picture. Uh, you know, hairdresser all the different professions, we tend to have all these stereotypes. Whether it's Miss Trunchbull from Matilda or Thomas Gragrin from Charles Dickens, teachers, lawyers, everybody has, we have preconceptions about what they might be like. But what might your image of the perfect mother be like? Think about, for a moment, the epitome of motherhood to you. What are some of the qualities which you feel like a mother should have? Come on, shout them out. Kind, encouraging. sorry, encouraging, encouraging. <coughs> loving, loving. patient, hungry, hungry. <laughs> a, able to address hunger, I think would be a, a good one, you know, the, one, the excellent cook, maybe somebody who has some rudiments of medical knowledge so that they can kind of fix your ailments, somebody who has a little, you know, degree in psychology so that they can always empathize or sympathize. You know, they're able to drive, they're endlessly sympathetic. You know, all the things that you want your mother to be. Well, so tonight we're going to look very briefly at who God decided uh, would be Jesus' mother. I mean, when you think about it, the woman that he chose seems a little unlikely, probably illiterate, early teens, no that we know of any medical or psychological or educational knowledge, unmarried in a culture where being pregnant out of wedlock was shameful. 
Part of Jesus' lineage, which included these women you've been talking about, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, women with very complex stories, shall we say. And Mary is an outsider, just like all four of those women. And all of them have one thing in common. They all have very unusual marriage stories. Why then, why did God choose to send Jesus to D.C.? Not, why didn't he choose to send God, Jesus to D.C. in the 21st century, where would, there would have been much better health care and infrastructure? There could be no mistaking the hand of God in a plan which just seems unlikely. An ordinary girl in an ordinary place in an ordinary time. So let's have a little look at this ordinary girl. God's plan for the salvation of the world depended on the willingness of a young teenage girl to undergo social rejection and humiliation. The offer God made Mary was, do you want your femininity, your identity, your privacy, your very deepest inner physical body invaded by a spiritual event that will change your whole life? your local status, your social standing, your career trajectory, but even more, your very essence, your being. Why did God pick Mary for this plan? Well, I think God chose an ordinary girl who could make a decision. This plan depended on her listening to the angel and being obedient. Well, Mary did just that. She immediately gave her free consent. She didn't actually rush off to consult her friends or family. She made the decision to say yes through her own agency. She didn't get Joseph's permission or her father's or her brother's. She just said yes. She could make a decision. God also chose an ordinary girl who could look for wise counsel. Mary responded immediately afterwards by going off to visit her cousin Elizabeth, whose pregnancy must have helped her so much as she tried to work out what was going on with her pregnancy, as both had the miraculous around them. Both women unexpectedly pregnant, one too old and barren, the other a virgin. Both births announced in various ways by Gabriel, both births flummoxing their neighbours, and challenging their spouses. God chose an ordinary girl who would respond in praise, acknowledging God's character and his bias for the poor. There is little that is passive about Mary as she starts off with this extraordinary declaration of faith. God's plan left Mary not running away with fear, but standing with confidence and proclaiming truth about this God of justice who will fill the hungry with good things and send the rich away empty. This proclamation of liberating justice in a context at the time of political oppression has been an ongoing inspiration for so many over the centuries including, someone was mentioning the other day, the influence in Mexico for Our Lady of Guadalupe. Mary is even now seen as a voice for liberating justice. God chose an ordinary girl who could be courageous. Mary pondered and treasured things that were way beyond her her experience or the experience of anyone around her. 
She withstood rejection by her community. She and Joseph and the child escaped persecution. She protected her son from a murderous king. Even when the neighbors doubted or sneered, Mary knew. She knew what the angel had said. She knew what had happened to her body. She understood Joseph's innocence. God chose an ordinary girl who was also unique in the history of the world in offering hospitality at an unprecedented level. She was the one and only living being who would ever physically be asked to carry the Son of God in her womb, offering him a safe and hospitable place to be formed in the way that all babies are formed, two cells, four cells, eight cells, 16 cells, day by day, month by month. Mary's ordinariness is critical to our faith because she is our guarantee that Jesus was fully human. Without Mary, God could not have identified himself so closely with us. God chose an ordinary girl who would give up her childhood to become a woman who nursed an extraordinary baby. A girl who became a very ordinary mother in some ways. In a few glimpses of her in the Gospels, we hear her doing ordinary maternal things, worrying about Jesus when he got left behind as a boy, chiding him at a funeral, worrying again when he's too far from home and working too hard. God chose an ordinary girl who encountered the worst possible pain of seeing her firstborn son die a vicious death on a cross while she sat crushed and heartbroken at its foot. God chose an ordinary girl who was then present at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came after the resurrection, turning and finally worshipping this boy she had raised who truly was God incarnate. An ordinary girl in an ordinary place and an ordinary time. Take note about the place. It wasn't a super protected time or place. God chose an ordinary place. Though occupied by hostile, violent invaders, at the time run by a despot who was suspicious of all threats and violent in his reactions, and who hated the people group that Jesus was born into. But we could probably name countries like that right now, ordinary countries in our world today. God chose an ordinary place, a time with no running water or books or antibiotics, but not unlike a number of ordinary countries in our world today as well. God chose an ordinary place where there was risk, risk of death and disease and accident, risk of rejection, childhood disasters. Think about what God asked Mary, an ordinary girl in an ordinary place, to do a completely extraordinary thing in an extraordinary way. Mary's yes to God was in some ways relatively straightforward. Be a mom to Jesus. Carry him in your womb. Raise him to the best of your ability. Watch over him, mother him, love him. That was Mary's yes. A very ordinary task, one which every mother sets out to do. And so she was an ordinary girl in an ordinary time in an ordinary place, except for this extraordinary baby Jesus, the incarnate God. And somehow, amongst all the ordinary day-to-day -day worries, which her pregnancy, then the birth, and the flight to Egypt, 
the weirdness of the, the shepherds and the magi turning up, political unheaval, all amongst what seemed so ordinary to all her peers. The conception of Christ, which was announced by an angel and was completely and uniquely extraordinary, required a courageous yes. And so what about us? Is this just a story about a girl long ago who was obedient? Is it just a story which is kind of interesting? That baby born to Jesus turned out to be the savior of the world, who died but rose again and ascended into heaven and then sent his Holy Spirit to comfort his followers. And so now, in an extraordinary way, Jesus issues an invitation to each of us ordinary people to bear him in our daily lives as bearers of his extraordinary Holy Spirit until that time when he will come again. No, not next time as a baby, but as a victorious warrior, the king returning to claim his own. We are invited to walk with Jesus, led by the power of the Holy Spirit, as ordinary people in ordinary days, bearing extraordinary news that Jesus was born as a baby for us. He died for us, that he rose again for us, and that we are now waiting for his return with expectant hope, trusting in our relationship which transcends the ordinary as we rely on the guidance and delight of the extraordinary presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Each of us is invited into a relationship with God who loves us so deeply that he was prepared to call an ordinary girl in an ordinary time to bear this extraordinary child. Without Mary, we wouldn't be here. But with Mary, we can make a choice. We can choose to be courageous. We can choose to say yes to God. We can choose to offer ourselves as hospitable carriers of Christ to the nations. What kind of yes does God require of you in 2019? It's not a simple yes. This is a yes that, like with Mary, relinquishes control of our body, mind, and heart, and will. A yes which invites you as ordinary people to extraordinary joy of being a Christ-bearer into the world with the power of the Holy Spirit. We are asked, we are asked to be ordinary people, offering around those around us the extraordinary news that the Almighty God chose to come to earth through the yes of an ordinary girl so that we can know our extraordinary God right here, right now. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, help us. Help us, like Mary, to be people who say yes to you. Help us to be people who say yes to the gift of your Holy Spirit in us, yes to your guidance, yes to your voice, which will lead us into the days ahead. May we be faithful stewards of your Holy Spirit as we seek to love and serve you in the days ahead. Amen.